Hi, and welcome to the Tough Fish Show. I'm your host, Jen Milius, and I'm so glad that you're here and can't wait to introduce to you Densi Webb. Densi Webb, not Denise, has spent a long career as a freelance nonfiction writer and editor specializing in health and nutrition and has published several books on the topic. She grew up in Louisiana, spent 13 years in New York City, and settled in Austin, Texas. She's an avid walker, not of the dead variety, though she adores zombies, vampires, and apocalyptic stories, drinks too much coffee, and has a small devil dog that keeps her on her toes. Let's dive into the pond and meet Densi. Welcome to the Tough Fish Show. I am so excited to bring to you Densi Webb. Densi, thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, thank you. I'm so happy to be here. This is great. Thank you so much. And I would love for you to start with how to get into writing. Well, actually, I've been a, a writer and editor my whole career, but it focused on freelance health and nutrition writing. My degrees are in nutrition. I'm a registered dietitian. So that was what my focus has been all these years. And uh, if anyone's old enough to remember, I was a health editor at McCall's Magazine years ago. Oh, cool. When I lived in New York. So it's been, words and writing and editing have been my my professional career, but fiction is a relatively new thing. So then how did you make that transition between, to your point, nonfiction or even technical writing to some point, and then yeah. transitioning that, that style and that, that path, if you will, to fiction? You know, I, I can't say there was an epiphany or a corner that I turned. It was just something that I had in the back of my mind that I would really like to do. And I had encouragement from some friends, you know, just go for it. And so I did. And it's been like seven years of, of working, um, developing craft, hopefully getting better and uh, getting a book published. So um, yeah, it was, it was a gradual process. I can't say that it was just overnight, but yeah. <laughs> but that's okay. That's okay. In fact, it's good that it wasn't necessarily overnight yeah. because it, it's something that needs to it is something that you keep developing because each yeah. chapter each piece comes together and then you take that first draft and you are working it and figuring it out and even if you're whatever your process is it's yeah. still something that you kind of go through a few times before you decide I'm ready to move forward with this and exactly. go to the next step so, exactly so would you talk a little bit about your type of process? Well, I've said this so many times before, but I think everyone has to find their own path. Um, you know, there are so many craft books out there. There's so many experts, um, professional writers who have lots of books under their belt, and they will tell you this is the best way to do it. But I think you really have to experiment and find out what works for you. I've had editors many times tell me, just vomit it out, get it out there on the paper, sort of like NaNoWriMo, um, very short period of time to spill out the words, you can fix it later. But I, I, my brain just does not work that way. So I've discovered that I have to work slowly, obsessively edit as I go. And when I'm finished with a chapter, I think, okay, that's pretty good. I can move on to the next one. And uh, that sort of goes against the grain, I think, of uh, majority consensus as to how you're supposed to uh, approach writing, but it works for me. So I like that you say that, that you 
it's go, you're going against the grain that you're you're following the path that's right for you mm-hmm. so how did how did you how did you figure what that out figure out what that was because to your point when there are so many craft books when you hear guidance so many different pieces of guidance and some of them say the same thing some of they some of them say something different mm-hmm. and if you're just starting out or even if you have been doing this for a while and you kind of feel stuck like something's not clicking what do you recommend? How, how do you work through that? I think you have to try different approaches and see which one feels the most natural to you. Uh, if you try to force yourself to do, there are many things, and I'm not denigrating these, they work for a lot of people. That's uh, like the inside outline and uh, save the cat approach. And um, uh, what is it when you have uh, a hero's journey? Um, I mean, there are all these different formulas for how you can write and they just don't work for everyone and I think if you try each one which is a a long tedious process to get through and see which one you feel the best about I but I think that's the only way to do it you can't just unless you get really lucky and the first approach you work works for uh, the first approach you use works for you that's great but I think you really have to experiment and you know to your point about experimenting, what might work with one genre or your first book or your first attempt or your first pass might be, might have worked for that. But then when you're going back through again, or maybe book one has one format, but a different book is you need to take a different approach. That's okay. It's really about yeah. honing your own craft in writing and honing what works for you to tell the story that you're meant to tell. Exactly, exactly. It's, uh, it's not easy and you have to really, really want to do it and have a lot of patience and perseverance. So when you are writing each chapter to your point, going and writing it and then obsessively editing, I really think that was so cool the way you said that. <laughs> Made me chuckle. A confession of sorts. It's okay, it's okay. Um, but do you then plan out or plot out the the book so that you have an idea of where everything's going or do you like kind of uh, the the panning style of letting things kind of fly by the seat of your pants kind of an idea and therefore the story's guiding you but you're still going at the pace you need to well i mean as you well know there are usually uh writers are divided into two very broad categories planner (laughs) plotters and pantsers, and I'm definitely more in the pantser category. But I have to say that when I start something, I usually know how I want it to start and how I want it to end. And about maybe halfway through, I will, I don't do an outline, but I will do like bullet points, um, usually to make sure my timeline is correct. Um, and I haven't, you know, twisted something around. It hadn't happened yet. I thought it had that sort of thing. But, uh, but yeah, that's, that's kind of it. I don't do any heavy duty plotting per se. I have done, it's not really an outline. It's more like a summary of what the story might be. Um, and it's not even a synopsis. It's just something for me um, just to write it down. I think this will happen and then maybe this will happen. And that, that helps. Yeah. Yeah. That's really very cool. I like that. So with your book, When Robins Appear, would you talk a bit about that? I love the title. I just think that that's, I think that's beautiful. 
I was really happy with the title I ended up coming up with. Uh, the publisher did not like my original title, which I had had <laughs> for, I don't know, two or three years. But uh, yeah, I like it a lot. And I really love the cover, which was perfect for the title. Um, I, I'm trying to think of how the story started. I, I guess when I thought of writing the story, it was uh, triggered by a, a classmate of my daughter who was in high school at the time. Um, was in a terrible skateboard accident. Mm. And I thought I was going to write a story about that and his family. And so, but as what often happens, it evolved, it changed a lot. And there is skateboarding in there. And one of the characters is a skateboarder, a teenage boy. Um, but uh, yeah, it evolved and it's really just a family drama and about what happens when two uh, health crises affect the family and how they are forced to reinvent themselves um, in very bittersweet ways. So when you were working on this, how much research did you feel you needed to do or how did you gauge your research to, for instance, with the health crisis? Mm -hmm. I mean, yes, you have a background that kind of lends itself to understand nuances as yeah. well as to also um, to have accuracy, especially, but how did you go about that? Would you talk a bit about the research for that? I talked to a specialist and uh, he was kind enough to spend time with me on the phone and gave me a lot of information. And of course I just read. And there's a, a part of it that again, I'm not gonna give that away, but uh, my nutrition background came into play. And so it was something that I already knew existed and I just uh, did some you know, updated research to make sure I was, uh, staying true to it. So how do you gauge, for instance, um, knowing when you've done enough research or when you need to push a little bit more? Because sometimes, uh, for instance, if a writer knows that they need to do some kind of research, whether it's, you know, to your, it's something along the lines of like, there's a, a health crisis, or mm -hmm. perhaps it's set in a, a, a time frame you know, so historical fiction, and they're having to research that area. But some element of research is happening. And then there can be a dance between how much is, is truly what's necessary versus going into the, it's turning into procrastination, and yeah. therefore not actually writing, because maybe the writing has become challenging or frightening or just it's just not flowing. So it's easier to do the research. How do you balance that? Well, I have to say that for my story, um, the main research was just about these specific health issues. Um, it, I had it take place in Austin, Texas, where I live. So I didn't have to research that. And it was modern times. So um, the only other thing I had to research was skateboarding. And in Austin, there's a park uh, near downtown where they have a concrete park and there are a lot of skateboarders there. So I, I went and watched them and they probably thought I was kind of a creepy mom sitting there <laughs> watching them, but I watched them. And I also did a lot of YouTube uh, videos of skateboarders. Um, and there's not a lot of skateboarding in it, but whatever I had in there, I wanted it to be realistic. So. So then how did you manage the, you knew how, like, just the timing, the managing of the time so that you know you've done the research that you need versus letting it drag you too far in. So to your point, skateboarding was something new for you, mm -hmm. but 
how did you know how to balance? Okay, I've gotten what I need versus continuing down that rabbit hole that can happen. I think that's more of a problem for historical uh, authors. <laughs> but um, yeah, I didn't. I, I think maybe my background writing about health and nutrition and having to do research and having to do interviews. Um, I had maybe I just had more of a feel for when it's okay to stop because Fair I don't enough. feel like I, I went into any kind of a rabbit hole. Now there might be, there's um, a story that uh, my publisher has signed me up for and I'm, I'm working on edits now. And that was a topic that I had to do quite a bit more research. It, it has to do with stalking. Oh, and wow. um, yeah, so I, I don't have any firsthand experience with that. <laughs> So I did have to do quite a bit of research, reading, uh, and uh, an interview with an expert. So that was fascinating. Yeah, yeah. I, and I, I think that that's, I think it's cool that whether you pick a topic you are genuinely interested in learning more about or a topic's given to you and then yeah. you find a way to make it interesting. I do think that the, the research element of it, the investigating part of it to figure out what's going to fit within the story. What do you need or what you don't need? Because yeah. it's just as important to know what not to include as exactly. what to include. So I do think that's really cool. That is really neat. So how would you talk about developing characters, please? How did you go about that for, for when Robins appear? Well, I think um, one, I, not I think, I know one of the uh, inspirations for the young character is my own daughter. We have a very close relationship. And so it was just a mother-daughter uh, interaction that felt um, familiar to me. And so that was, was not difficult. There's um, a bad guy in there, which you just sort of let your imagination go. I don't really know anyone like that. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I think when I uh, develop characters, they sort of I, I don't believe in this, my characters were talking to me sort of thing. That's, I, I'm too uh, dogmatic for that, I think. Okay. But, uh, but I do, they do evolve. And I think it's just a, a combination of people that you've known all your life, um, movies, other books, and they just sort of become an amalgamation of this character and things that you've picked from here and there fit. Um, I don't do character... Um, drafts. Uh, mm -hmm. Some people like to sit down and mm -hmm. do the whole backstory of their character, even if it's not going to end up in the book. I don't do that either. Um, I just kind of dive in. <laughs> but I like that, though. I, I, I like how you're sharing other ways to, to look at writing a book, writing your, the story that you want to tell, that if you feel like there's a way to tell that story, that you don't have to go about it in what is being taught, so to speak, then that's okay. And to carve the path that works for you and go back and keep checking in with yourself. Is this still, is this still aligning? Is this still a, a good story to be telling, a good story to be following? Yeah. Well, I will say, um, and this is a major caveat that mine is not the most efficient way. Um, <laughs> you know, you have writers that can spin out two books a year. Um, and they can't do it my way if they're going to write two books a year. So um, if you want to be a prolific writer, um, my process is probably not the best one. But that's okay. That, I mean, again, 
it depends upon what you're doing and, and what feels right for you. Yeah. But so talking more about, to your point about character development, about writing itself, you've, let's just say you've gotten the first draft of a story done. You've gone through, you have obsessively edited every chapter that is in this first draft. Now what? Do you go back through again? Do you work with beta readers? Would you go into that a bit more? I've used beta readers. I haven't used a beta reading service, which there are a few out there which are very good. In fact, I, I do readings for, for a beta service. I do use critique partners, and sometimes it's a, a chapter, a couple of chapters at a time as I'm writing, and then I edit as a, that contributes to my editing process. Um, I've used a developmental editor before. Um, and my publisher has a great editing process. So even once it's done and I've gone through critiquing, um, they use a, a content editor, a copy editor, a line editor. And so it just, it really gets, really gets polished. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. So to your point, the way your publisher has worked with you with, for your manuscript, how has the, the, for instance, the content editor provided feedback that has been instrumental to you I mean a lot of times people assume editing is copy and proof type of thing yeah. they don't always hear about other types and so would you talk a bit about how the content editing in particular was instrumental in your process and what you created well it's um it's been fabulous so far I mean they're very very detailed I mean you'll get like 30 pages single spaced of uh, chapter one says this, it might work better if you, if you took this angle and you just have to go through it. And it, as a, as a writer, I think almost every writer's first impulse is what? No, way! <laughs> I'm not changing that. But if you really sit with it and let it simmer, digest in the end, I'd have to say 80 to 90% of the time you end up going, okay, I see your point. I, I need to, to polish this, change this a little bit. So it's been a, a really good experience. I mean, everybody needs editing. And I mean, editing from more than just one, one place. Um, critique partners are a form of editing. And uh, you just have to take all that, put it in. And in the end, I mean, it really does. It <laughs> takes a village to write a book. It's not a one-person process unless, I don't know, maybe you're Stephen, Stephen King or something. No, but I've heard it said before too that it does take a village to 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 bring this book into the world. And yeah. but I'm glad that you've said that because sometimes people can feel, especially if they're the writer, that it might feel a bit lonely. Like how how will this actually happen? And I look at that where the first draft is really between you and yourself and that paper. Like you just you're figuring out what that's going to be. Yeah. But as you gain traction, as you gain the, the picture that starts to come together, you start to bring more people in, but those people do help you to shape and to, Absolutely. to get that story out. You just, you cannot see it. You can't be an objective observer or an objective critique partner for yourself. You just can't. You can read something a thousand times and then you show it to somebody else and they'll point out something that is so incredibly obvious or it should have been. And so you make that change. But um yeah, I just, I, I love the whole process. I love writing. Um, I love words. I actually love editing more than writing. Once the thing is done, 
I love the process of going back and making it better, changing some things, um, introducing the aspects that I hadn't thought of before. Um, that That's really my favorite part. Really? I know. I love hearing that because actually you're one of the first people that I've heard to really talk about it in that way to say, I love editing my work. So please, would you talk a little bit? I mean, and I know your background helps you with that too, but would yeah. you please talk a little bit more about that? Maybe you have some tips or some suggestions for someone to help them ease into and say, I can like this too. <laughs> I don't know. There's just something um, daunting about looking at, looking at a blank page and trying to fill it in. Um, everybody does it. Some people find it easier than others. I'm not one of those people, but once I've got, I don't know, 80,000 words down and I can go back and look at it, it's just, I don't know, it's a very satisfying feeling to me to be able to see what I've done and be able to try anyway to make it better. Um, that is when I really feel a sense of accomplishment, not, not the actual first draft. I think that's really, again, it sounds like a, another element of how you kind of go against the grain just a little bit because, yes. yeah, but I, but I think that's cool. I, I really do. I think that that's, that's really cool. So when you are, some of the things you've just alluded to though, are about getting feedback and, mm -hmm. and understanding when to take that feedback or when it's, thank you, but I'm not applying that. Yeah. How, how do you gauge the, that dance? How do you balance between yes, that's good feedback to take and to synthesize it and do something or to say, thanks, but not, not here or not this one. I guess you really have to have a feel for what you want your story to say. Um, with my content editor, with uh, when Robins appear, there were a couple of things that I was like, no, that's, that's not really what I want to do. And that she was fine with it. It's like, as long as I had a rational explanation as to why I wanted to keep it that way. Um, you just have to know your story. And, and if you're dealing with not a professional editor, but a critique partner or a beta reader, especially beta readers, um, you really have to take it with a grain of salt because you just, I don't know, unless they're a professional and they've got experience with this, you have to make the final decision as to what you want to end up in your story because they can end up, somebody else can end up steering it in a very wrong direction if you're not careful. So being true to your voice and true yeah. to the, to the story and to the message you want to tell, it's just absolutely. Yeah. It's so important. That is hundred percent true. So are you, so it sounds like you're working on something else. Uh, yes. I'm on the um, content edit stage and the content editor made some pretty radical suggestions, which it took me about a week to calm down. But <laughs> That's uh, fair. yeah, but but I think she might have been right. And so I'm making some pretty major adjustments to the story. Still the same story. Mm -hmm. um, I think maybe the tone of voice is a little different. And I actually am switching uh, POV, which is a very tedious process, if you've ever done that before. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it, it's the story of a celebrity stalker and uh, how just an innocent girl gets uh, tangled up and becomes the target of this, this stalker. Um, and again, I did a lot of research for this, this story. I uh, interviewed a, a 
psychologist in California who actually has done, um, has provided testimony for celebrity stalkers, you know, in court cases. So that was, that was really interesting. And he, he told, before he would even talk to me, he said, I, I'd like for you to read my book. So I had to go to the library, get it through interlibrary exchange because they didn't have it um, there. And I read his book and it was a lot of creepy stuff, but, but it really helped. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good. Good. So to your point though, about switching points of view, mm-hmm. how, so when you started your book, you started with one and now switching, obviously, how does that feel to do that? I mean, I realized to your point, like the mechanics of it and thinking through, I'm changing this pronoun or I'm changing the way this is phrased, but how does that feel with in the feeling of the book to you as the writer coming from a different point of view originally? Well, it started out in uh, first person, you know, I this and I that. And um, I decided to do it in third POV close. Um, It, I don't know, it has a little bit more gravitas to it in third person, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, And because the topic is serious, there's a relationship in the story and uh, it's an important aspect, but I just thought that to make the impact of what's happening seem uh, really horrifying, third person just seemed to work better for some reason. No, but that's, I, I like the point that you're making in that, that sometimes first person can give you that creep factor or that feeling that you're right involved with that reader or that character rather. And then sometimes, shifting the point of view to third person or even second, however the, the POV changes, but that yeah. POV change can help create a different feeling in the book. And that creates a whole new experience for you writing, but also for the reader. Exactly. Um, you know, it is tedious and it's going to take me a while to get through, but I, for some reason, and I, I can't really articulate why, I just think that the third person is working better. Very cool. Any idea when this new book will come out? Well, it depends on how slow I am with uh, incorporating (laughs) the content edits. I'm only, yeah, I'm only like on chapter five or something. So um, (laughs) after I turn it in and it goes through a second round, um, I'll have a better idea. With any luck, it might be the end of the year, but I'm thinking it'll be 2023. How cool though. That that's still really exciting. Very, yeah. very cool. Dency, this has been great. I have so enjoyed our conversation. Where can oh, people connect? Where can people connect with you and where can they get your book? And where can they find um, out when your new one's coming out? <laughs> well, if you follow me on BookBub, um, you will get a notice when the book is the new one is coming out. Um, that's I I don't know. I think it's just Dency Web. If you type in Dency Web at, at BookBub, not Denise, but Dency, um, you'll uh, you'll find my page and you can follow me there. I'm on Instagram, um, Dency Web Books. Uh, Twitter is DL Web. Um, Facebook, of course, just Dency Web author. And uh, the book, uh, When Robins Appear, is is pretty much everywhere. I mean, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Kobo, Apple, Target. Um, yeah, if you just search it, you can find it pretty much everywhere. It's available as audiobook too. So awesome. 
Thank you so much, Dempsey. This has been a blast. Thank you. It's been fun. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening today. I'm so glad you were here and know there were some valuable nuggets shared to keep going, keep writing, and keep sharing your work. I'm a big believer that if you have a book that's in your heart to write, then there's someone else out there who needs to read it. Your story needs to be shared, so you have to write it and get it out into the world. Until next time, keep swimming upstream while going with the flow and get your book into the world. To learn more about Tough Fish and jump into the pond, visit jennifermilius.com forward slash tough fish.